There's a lot of people that have flexibility around when they have breaks. Teachers don't. Right. There's a lot of jobs out there where there's opportunity to pick up lunch or to grab this or go run that errand or whatever. It's not the case for teachers. We have living human beings that are totally dependent on us that need us to be there. And if we're not there, someone else has to cover. And with sub shortages, it's usually somebody else that also (laughs) could really use a break. Absolutely. So I think that there's a lot of um, aspects to teacher health and teacher workplace health that need to be addressed. Hey there, I'm Amber Harper, former burned out teacher turned teacher burnout coach dedicated to helping other teachers like you to grow through your burnout and take your next best steps toward what you want from your career in education and in life. After an embarrassing emotional breakdown in front of my teacher besties, I knew something needed to change, and that something was me. I decided that I wasn't going to settle for burnout as my sentence as a teacher, mom, wife, or friend. And I knew it was going to take way more than practicing conventional self-care to make the progress I wanted to make. No amount of manicures, bottles of wine, or bubble baths was going to save this girl. Fast forward to a few years later, and I've used everything I've learned about teacher burnout and personal development to write a book, build a course, and lead a community of burned-in teachers who refuse to settle for a life of burnout as their forever reality. I've used my burnout as an opportunity to become an active participant in my life, in the classroom and here on the mic, using all that I've learned to teach kids and serve teachers. And you can do the same. The Burned In Teacher Podcast is one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support to help you grow through your burnout and live a happier, more fulfilled career and life. So take a deep breath, my friend, because you're about to take your next best step to becoming a burned-in teacher. Let's dive in. Well, hey there, burned-in teachers. Welcome into episode 167 of the Burned-in Teacher podcast. If we've never met before, hello, I'm Amber. It's so nice to meet you. And if you've been around for the past 166 episodes, I'm so glad that you're back. You are going to notice, and you probably already have noticed, that this episode is a little bit longer. So I'm going to leave this intro really short and really sweet. But I wanted to tell you, I really strategically planned this podcast episode to launch close to the end of 2022. Because as you heard in my episode last week when I talked about the word of the year and how strongly I feel like that needs to come front and center before resolutions, you know that I want you to be intentional about the long game when it comes to your goals. But I can't go into 2023 without also addressing that there are a lot of people that around this time of year, every year, they want to really focus on their health. And I trust me, I'm there too. I'm always thinking about how I can improve and, you know, the way I feel and the way I look. And especially since I've turned 40, I really want to continue to feel better and better. And that's why I invited my friend Brian Holyfield on the podcast today. Brian is a 10-year educator turned online fitness coach. He's a certified personal trainer and the founder of TGT Fitness. This guy teaches. Brian is also a dad of three boys and is married to his high school sweetheart. 
I strategically invited Brian onto the podcast because he is a former teacher. This is his first year out of the classroom running his personal training business for teachers. You'll hear that he primarily works for teachers. And that just, I, I felt very strongly that I wanted a teacher to have to share perspective on health and wellness. So if you're interested in hearing only about his health and wellness tips, you can skip to minute 21. But I really enjoyed hearing his story of how he became a teacher and his love for history and why he's so passionate about history, especially Russian history. And he's just got such a great story to tell. So if you want to listen to that, then go ahead and just keep on playing. But if you really are interested in the health and wellness tips, go ahead and skip to minute 21. Now let's dive in. Well, hey, Brian, thank you so much for joining us on the Burn-In Teacher podcast. Will you let our listeners know a little bit about you? Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for having me. So uh, I'm Brian, and I have had a wild life so far um, from Mississippi to Moscow, Russia, to teaching in public schools and private schools, and now doing online fitness and health coaching. So it's been so many, so many different and unique twists and turns. Never thought I'd be where I am now, sitting here in the in northern part of Georgia. Um, I've got three boys, uh, another on the way, soon to be arriving. So that'll be a little, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's one of those things you, you can't anticipate where you're going to end up. But where I am now is uh, is where I need to be, and I'm, I'm loving um, being able to talk with educators, continue to support educators. And uh, that's where my heart and passion really is. So yes, I cannot me. wait to get into it because we reached out through a mutual, we we connected rather through a mutual friend, Alexis Shepard. Oh, yeah. We were talking about fitness and health and, um, you know, not, we were just having a conversation about just feeling good, like not, you know, trying to be like bikini models or anything. We were just talking about like wanting to just be the healthiest version of ourselves, because mm. we know that we are just, we show up better for our students and for other people that we work with when we take care of ourselves. And I said, I would really love to find somebody in the educator space yeah. who could really speak to this because I want to speak to somebody who knows how extremely draining <laughs> um, teaching is day in and day out. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, oh my gosh, you should totally reach out to Brian Holyfield. She sent me your, uh, your Instagram handle. And I reached out to you and I'm just so excited that yeah. you're here to share your knowledge and your wisdom with us. And I mean, bonus, big time bonus that you are a former educator. We're going to get into all that, but will you help yeah. us to understand, like, I mean, Moscow, like tell us a little bit about how you came to be a teacher first yeah. of all. Yeah. So that Moscow has actually a big piece of relevance to that story because here I am 10 years old, not seeing any of the world, mm -hmm. uh, you know, relatively speaking, very small rural Mississippi. Both my parents grew up on farms. Okay. Mm -hmm. The last place on earth anyone ever expected them to end up was in one of the biggest cities in the world. So uh, when I was 10, God called my parents to go over there as missionaries. And the four of us kids, <laughs> we were along for the ride. Mm -hmm. And it was an incredible thing. We were there until um, coming back for college. So I, I was there for uh, almost nine years. Mm -hmm. And I got to experience not only the Russian culture, and learn the Russian language. I also got to travel all over the Mediterranean, you know, Cyprus, Egypt, um, Eastern Europe, Poland. I got to see places that had been 
we talk as a you know, historian. So talk about things like communism and Eastern Europe and the, you know, the Iron Curtain and all these kinds of terms. I got to see the real living impacts of those times. I mean, I was in Moscow when Vladimir Putin took office mm-hmm. from Boris Yeltsin. Here he is, you know, 23 years later, and he's still this figure that we can't get away from. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for, and for, in this case, it's for worse. So it's, for me, that really drove a sense of love for, for maps and geography, a love for culture and languages, a love for understanding why does their school, bringing it back around to education, why does schooling there look the same as schooling here? Mm-hmm. Why do why across the globe is it a universal language? And that's actually what I did my master's research on. Um, is understanding a comparative view of how secondary education even came to be, um, and particularly focusing on the Russian school system. So that is kind of the background, I guess, to this passion that I have for history, for global studies, and for really understanding all these different international relations and tensions. Um, and yeah, this is something that uh, that really inspired me and really drove me to pursue that more formally and then informally as well. Mm. I love how I, I always am inspired whenever teachers share their, you know, their intentional, like their love for learning about a certain thing or a certain topic or a certain place. And then that is what they teach. Like they have that, that strong passion about something. And I love that. That's what if essentially I'm assuming caused you to become a teacher and a, yeah. a history teacher uh, specifically. And I just, I didn't have that. Like I never knew what I wanted to do when I grew up. Like I never wanted, and I say I never wanted to be a teacher. I just never thought about it. I never really thought about what I wanted to be. And I kind of just, I hate to say stumbled, fell into it. Um, and I love it. And it's obviously my life's work and I, I love being a teacher, but I just, I love to hear stories like yours where you're like, I was so passionate about this yeah. culture and this history. And I wanted to share it with other people. So then, I mean, did you always want to be a teacher or is this just kind of how you felt like you could learn the most and then help to influence, you know, other, other yeah. students? I think from an early age, I recognized that I had a gift for teaching mm-hmm. just inherently. I would learn something and I immediately, and my poor mom <laughs> was the recipient of all the random things that I learned. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, I have a 10 year old son now who's very similar to the way that I was. And uh, he infuriates me in some ways and in other <laughs> ways, I'm like, yes, I love the direction that you're going because you're so curious. Mm-hmm. Um, but me and his mom sometimes are just <laughs> inundated with, did you know this? Did you know this? Did you know this? And it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Give us a second. Um, but a that- teacher on your hands too. <laughs> yeah, maybe so, maybe so. So that really, um, I had also a history teacher that inspired me um, in high school and from that moment on, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to teach people more about these things that I find really interesting mm-hmm. and went into went into college, focused on secondary education and social sciences. And that's certified, came out certified to teach six through 12 social studies. And I've taught every single subject and every grade within that range. So it's wow, been, so lots of experiences crazy. there. Yeah, that's incredible. So now kind of give us a window then into your actual teaching experience. Mm -hmm. Um, You said you taught for 10 years. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So uh, two of those years were not in the school system. Two of those years were at the university level. So when I was doing my grad studies at Indiana University, Mm -hmm. um, I was also teaching um, as part of 
as part of my graduate assistantship. So um, I actually taught Russian 101 and Russian 102 for the Slavic department. So two years there, uh, I, I count that though. <laughs> mm-hmm, of course. Um, and then eight years in the classroom. Um, a few of those years were at a private school where I taught sixth through 10th grade, all the different social studies within that range. And then I've taught for the past three years, I taught in Georgia, um, teaching mostly ninth, 10th and 12th grade courses. Mm-hmm. Now, excuse me. I know you're out of the classroom now. I know you're a former teacher. Is, is this year the first year that you've been out of the classroom? It is. Yeah. This is the first year. So, um, it's this very interesting shift because a lot of days where I feel like I'm supposed to be somewhere, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm, I'm doing what I need to do. And honestly, um, just to relate a little bit of my experience, um, 2020, and then the subsequent year were very, very tough. Mm-hmm. Um, we had just moved to Georgia. It was all new. Mm-hmm. We moved into a school system. They hired me over the telephone. And this was Zoom, I guess, hadn't made it to the <laughs> big picture yet. Right. Um, they hired me over the phone. It was a phone interview, um, sight unseen. It was a great school, great people. Um, but there were a lot of challenges. And um, one of those challenges was I didn't have a classroom. They had me bouncing from room to room um, just because the student population had swelled up and they didn't have enough. They needed more teachers and they had classroom space. And I'm sure a lot of teachers can relate to those kinds right. of pressures. Right. And then the pandemic hit and we switched to virtual. Then the next year I was doing a double caseload of um, class load of in-person classes and then fully online classes. And it was incredibly stressful. And I'm sure every other educator out there completely relates Um, and so it was by no means unique to me, but during that, I guess, 15 month stretch, the thing that I kept falling back on was good food and a lot of movement, Mm -hmm. whether that be in the gym, whether that be, and that's really honestly where a lot of my true deep, deep, deep love for taking care of myself originated. Mm -hmm. And I saw a lot of people around me. And this is not something, this is not a judgment. No. But I saw a lot of people who, because of the pandemic and because of this added stress, a lot of their healthy habits, the things that they had doing, that they were doing that were working for them fell to the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw the struggle become that much more challenging because a lot of those things that they were doing that were keeping them grounded, they let go of. Mm you know, for, for very valid reasons, but the implications or the impacts of that were really far reaching. And I think we're still dealing with that now, um, especially in the education space. So for me, it was like, I'm helping educators. I'm doing this online coaching. I've got teachers and administrators that are working with me. I'm seeing them actually turn things around, but I got to a point where I couldn't do both with the level of intentionality and quality that I wanted to do. So it became one of those things of, man, I love students and I love teaching history, but right now I think there's a greater need for supporting educators. And I think that there's a space there for somebody like me who understands and has been there on the ground floor to step out and then to be able to take on more and be able to carry even a little bit more in guidance. So that's a very long winded answer, but that just, I think it gives a lot of context as to what I'm doing and, and why I'm doing it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to what you're saying in so many ways. Um, I can relate to that weird feeling that first year. I don't know if you know this about me, but I did leave the classroom in 2018 to pursue burn and teacher full time because mm -hmm. it was very hard for me to do both. At that time, I was doing some ed tech consulting as well and doing some Google training. Yeah. And I was having to say no to a lot of opportunities because I didn't have any personal days left. So I decided instead of saying no to these schools and no to the opportunities that were being presented to me, I decided to step away and say no to teaching for a while. And I'm living proof, Brian, that if you ever want to go back, it is possible. Mm. <laughs> so because yeah. um, I'm back in the classroom now, this is my second year back after three wow. years of working from home. Mm. And I did work from home during COVID. Obviously, I left in 2018, so I had no idea what was to come. Mm -hmm. um, but I can definitely relate to that. And I can relate so deeply to what you're saying about, you know, feeling like when you're in the midst of that hardship that you know that you, one of the things that that is under your control when there's so much that's out of your control mm -hmm. is what you put into your body mm -hmm. and how you spend your time and your energy. Did you, did you leave teaching because you, I, I just, I have so many questions about why you decided to become, you know, a, a personal trainer and what that journey looked like for you because- um, before we hit record, I was like, I just have so many questions because I feel like you and I are going to be able to relate because back yeah. in 2015, 2016, before Burden Teacher was born and was, you know, a domain that I purchased, um, I just always felt that I wanted to do more, but mm. I didn't know what that was. And I kept telling myself like something there's another, you have another purpose. There's some, something else out there for you. And I don't know if it means that you leave the classroom or you stay like, I was really struggling with that push and pull because then I'd tell myself, what are you talking about? You're just a teacher. Like yeah. you're a teacher. Like this is what you do. This is what you always do. So did you feel that way? And can you quickly kind of tell us like what led you on to this path to then leaving the classroom to do personal training and, and physical training full time? Yeah. So, I mean, I can tell you, I was the guy that didn't, didn't use social media. Mm -hmm. Um, I was the guy that, um, uh, was just like, eh, no, no point for that. Mm -hmm. But what I started to get a sense of, um, probably 2016, um, and beyond was I'm a teacher and I have an impact in this local community mm -hmm. and that's incredible. And I think there's a lot of teachers out there that that's, that's their safe place. Mm -hmm. And that's where they feel most comfortable. This last year, I taught in a school district where a lot of the teachers graduated from that school. It's a one high school, one high school county. Mm -hmm. So the, the community ties are so deep. And I'm like, I can't relate to this at all because I lived all over the place and I've been all over the place and taught all over the place. But it was cool to see. Um, and I think for a lot of people, that's their wheelhouse. This is this is where I feel really comfortable for me. Um, and I, it sounds like for you, I felt like I, I can have that but I can also have a bigger impact, not more of an impact or a better impact, but just simply a more expanded impact on the world at large. So, um, you know, you, <laughs> before we got on, you had mentioned the YouTube channel and that is, uh, that is very much dormant, but yeah, I started, uh, I started a teacher Instagram in 2019 and I started doing, I thought I'm going to do some YouTube videos on history and how to teach history better, or, you know, just talking about history. Cause I love it. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I went after that for a little bit and then, you know, pandemic. And that's when I started to shift focus and go, oh, you know, what I have that a lot of people don't have is this passion for exercise. Um, and I have a 
background that allows me to communicate that pretty clearly, I think, to a, a wide audience and an audience that needs to hear some of these, you know, some of these sometimes hard truths yeah. and some of them very uplifting and empowering truths. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So did you get into um, into personal training thinking that you would leave the classroom? Or was it just something that was just really interesting to you that you felt really passionate about in your own life that you just wanted to learn more about? Yeah, I, I definitely didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I never thought I would start a business. Yeah. you know, I never thought that I would be doing that. Um, I was going to become a professor or I was going to you know, do something along those lines. And, and here I am owning my own business, doing it full time from home. And I definitely wouldn't have predicted that. Um, but I also wouldn't have been surprised if it, mm-hmm. if it took me there. So mm-hmm. it was kind of that, let's see how it plays out. And I told my wife, I was like, I think this could be really big. I mean, here's the reality. I have three kids. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife's committed to, for the most part, staying at home now that they're all school age, she's working, um, during school hours. Um, but for the most part, we wanted her and that was her passion from very young to really be intentional about how she was, you know, raising our kids and that's a really supportive home environment. And we're very fortunate and blessed, but that meant that, you know, I had to pick up some extra stuff. Um, I had to wait tables or clean churches or pick up these odd jobs that would just help, you know, pay the bills as a single income family. Mm -hmm. So this was like, well, I have this passion. It's something I've already integrated into my life. And it's something that I know I can talk about and communicate. So I'm going to pursue some education around it, invest in some some coaching myself so that I could be coached up to be a better coach. And then I'm going to offer that out. And the reception has been really strong. Yeah. And that's allowed me to transition out. And it's a uh, it's a very, it's a very humbling thing to, it's a wild ride, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. So let's dive into, so you and I have kind of gone back and forth on these hard conversations and stuff that's kind of hard to talk about because yeah. I love that you said like, there's no judgment here, but when I, when I look around at our teaching profession and <clears throat> excuse me, when I, when I think about how incredibly hard our job is, I I just, I'm so fully invested in living a really healthy lifestyle. Again, not to be, you know, bikini body ready. It's, it's never been about that for me. Um, but it's just about, and I, I just turned 40 two weeks ago and I was telling some friends, I was like, I want to feel better and better and better. I do mm-hmm. not want to settle for saying I'm 40 years old and therefore I'm just going to start going downhill. Like I'm going to, you know, start feeling like crap and just give up on myself. And what you said about the pandemic, I really related to, because I think it almost became like popular to talk about the garbage that we were eating or, you know, how we have just like let go, Mm -hmm. you know, we've even had celebrities that, you know, talked about all the the weight that they gained. And again, this isn't about weight. We're not, I'm not shaming anybody. What I'm talking about is like what we put in, we get out. And I know that you have some strategies and some of your own perspectives on this so that we can help teachers to feel better. Absolutely. You know, I, I, most of my clientele has been and continues to be teachers mm-hmm. uh, or administrators. That's why I reached out to you. <laughs> yeah. And the reality is they're very unique situations um, in terms of how that impacts your health. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that can leave their job at their job. Mm-hmm. Teachers can't. 
there's a lot of people that have flexibility around when they have breaks. Teachers don't. Right. There's a lot of jobs out there where there's opportunity to pick up lunch or to grab this or go run that errand or whatever. It's not the case for teachers. We have living human beings that are totally dependent on us that need us to be there. And if we're not there, someone else has to cover. And with sub shortages, it's usually somebody else that also (laughs) could really use a break. Absolutely. I think that there's a lot of um, aspects to teacher health and teacher workplace health that need to be addressed. And this is from, I'm talking about deep systemic issues Mm -hmm. um, within the school culture itself and then within personal habits. Now, I can't change the system. I can't change your, you know, your unique school situation. What I can speak to is like you mentioned, the parameters that you have some capacity to, to change. Yeah. And I see a lot of, (laughs) (laughs) great, great. So what are those, what are those parameters that are under our control? What are those areas, uh, avenues that we can actually impact and change? when it comes to our own personal health. Uh, one of them is eating, right? One of the, I, there's so many teachers that I talk to. I've polled hundreds of teachers and, and a huge percentage of them, a huge percentage of them do not eat during the school day. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of stuff out there about intermittent fasting. Not eating is not the same thing as intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting yes. can work great for some people right? It is a tool, right? There's a lot of different tools out there for some kind of restriction of calories, right? I don't mean overly restricting. I just mean- right. We're not putting, talking about starving yourself. Right. I'm talking about just putting some 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 constraints around total amount of calories. There's a lot of great different methods. Intermittent fasting is one of those. Not eating for entire stretches of the day because you're so busy is not the same thing as that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things that we neglect to do, whether that's hydration, because we're afraid, what if I have to pee? <laughs> I don't have, you know, and, and right. that's a challenge, that's a challenge in and of itself. And that's something I think every school should have really serious discussions with their administration about how can we actually allow teachers to have more equitable access to the yeah. restroom. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, that's a whole nother topic, but not eating for entire stretches of, you know, not hydrating yourself properly, not actually taking some time in the morning to stretch out your body before a long work day, and then having an actual plan and prepared exercise, prepared movement, um, not for weight loss, not for fat loss, not for any, but for your mental health yes. or your physical, like you need that release. You need those hormones. You need those endorphins. You need those things that are going to come that when you're in four walls of a room all day long, you're not eating, you're not seeing the sun, you're not moving, you know, you're not getting your heart rate up. The impact on that, that that has on you with your stress levels, blood pressure levels, uh, blood sugar levels. We're talking about a lot of really detrimental things that are going on there. Unless we start to figure out what are the simple things that I can do within that period of time, 
within my workday? Are there things that I have control over? Can I bring a snack that is yes. a healthy, high quality snack that will provide me some sustenance and some energy? The amount of teachers that I talk to that say, I don't eat all day. Then I go home and I eat everything in sight mm -hmm. is, and, and <laughs> that is not a strategy that is right. going to yield positive results, you know, day after day right. after day. Right. Right. Those so, are, those, what is your those solution are, yeah. to that. What is your solution to if, if a teacher is not eating during the day? Yeah. Um, is a really, really simplified, scaled down. What can you do every single day? It might be boring. What is your fallback? Mm -hmm. You need to know what is my fallback? There are so many teachers I know out of the generosity of their hearts that buy snacks and candy, chips and whatever, and they have them in their classroom for kids. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. What are you doing for you? Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a fallback? When you forget your lunch or when the meal option at the school cafeteria that day is not something that works well for you, mm -hmm. causes you have allergies, you causes you bloating, cramps, inflammation, whatever. Do you have a fallback? Mm -hmm. That needs to be first and primary. On my worst day, yeah. what do I have available to me that will allow me to one, still feel good about myself. And two, provide me energy so that I am not going to go berserk later on mm -hmm. in the day. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that I have what I need mentally and in my own system to keep my energy levels up. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that. So my my husband and I's habit is we make enough food the night before and we automatically, we have these bowls specifically that we use for our lunches. So we just fill up that bowl for the next day that we take to lunch. And, but we also always have something on not literally the back burner, but we have something in our freezer, like some healthy noodle bowls, or, you know, we'll have lunch meat and something to make a wrap just in case there wasn't enough food, you know, after we ate, I didn't quite make enough or whatnot, or maybe we ate out the night before something that we can throw into our, into our lunchbox to take, to take to school, to eat. I just can't imagine what it would be like to not eat all day. Like you have to be so depleted and so exhausted by the end of the day. Even, you know, I eat lunch every day and I'm exhausted at the end of the day, yeah. but I can't imagine how much worse it would be if I wouldn't eat. Absolutely. And the second thing I would say in terms of really, <laughs> Sorry. you know, yeah, the, what's that fallback? And the second thing is yeah. we've got to take your protein levels, mm -hmm. right? We're talking about your meats, your cheeses, your eggs, your cottage cheese, Greek yogurt, whey protein, if you're doing a protein smoothie. All of that amount, all that category of food, mm -hmm. we've got to take that and we got to bump the heck out of that category of food because we are incredibly under consuming protein. Right. And we can talk about, I could talk for two hours, the true incredible benefits that a high protein diet is going to bring to you into your life. Mm. If you have a fallback and you have a high protein intake, your morning starts with protein. You have a protein snack during the day. And then you have a meal at some point during your workday. I don't care when it is or if it's spread out or you take a bite here, the bite there, but you need a full meal. And I'm not talking about 300 calories. Right. Okay. You need a real snack, not a hundred calories. You need a real meal, not 300 calories. And you need to have 
sufficient levels of protein in your system throughout that entire stretch. Mm. One of the things you're going to have, you're going to have a much better blood sugar balance. Your blood sugar is not going to drop. Even if you have something sweet, your blood sugar is not going to spike. Protein is going to keep it level. Mm -hmm. Two, you're going to have the nutrients you need to sustain energy. You're going to have the nutrients you need for actually rebuilding tissue, right? Mm -hmm. um, especially when you're asleep, but even while you're awake. You're going to have the nutrients you need for your hor hormonal production. I mean, how many teachers are dealing with hormonal imbalances, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you realize 70% of those hormones are coming through the energy provided by protein. So if your protein is chronically low, you're not going to be producing. So we're talking about like systematic fatigue and systematic daily recurring issues that, that actually compound over time right. on a low protein intake. So if we can start to get that up, also another great benefit, you're going to see your satiety levels go up, meaning your fullness signals are going to be more balanced you're going to stay full longer. Protein is so complex. You think about like a simple Krispy Kreme donut, right? There's right. simple, highly processed carbs. I mean, that's hitting your bloodstream so quickly because mm -hmm. it's digesting so fast, mm -hmm. right? And you, how long, if you eat a, if you eat a donut, how long are you going to stay full? <laughs> like an hour, right? Like <laughs> maybe. maybe, maybe an hour. Yeah. For me, it's more about five minutes, but you know, right. That's the, right. Um, Hey there, I'm interrupting this episode really quickly to talk to you about you and your teacher burnout. And one tiny thing you can do today in less than three minutes to begin to leave burnout behind. It's called my teacher burnout quiz. And with this quick six question quiz, I'll help you identify if you are burned and over it, burned and unbalanced, burned and bored, or not burned out but something is off. Dr. Dan Seagal says, if you can name it, you can tame it. And while he was talking about children and adults naming their emotions so that they can begin to use appropriate coping mechanisms to deal with them, I believe that the same philosophy applies to naming your burnout type so you can begin to take the appropriate steps that are personalized to you and your burnout. The fact is, burnout is caused and cured in different ways for different teachers. So why do we settle for a one-size-fits-all approach to curing something that is so deeply personal? When you take this quick three-minute quiz, you'll not only be able to name your burnout type right away, but I'll give you some specific steps to apply immediately to your personal burnout journey. So what are you waiting for? Go to burnedinteacher.com slash burnout quiz to take the free quiz so you can name your burnout and begin to take small, actionable steps to grow through your burnout type because seriously, wine and bubble baths are nice, but they will not help to cure you out of your hashtag teacher misery. So go to burnedinteacher.com slash burnout quiz. Now back to the episode. Burn on. So what you're talking about is you're talking about eating for sustainability. Like yeah. you're trying to sustain your energy. And that's, I mean, that's what we talk about a lot on here is how to create a sustainable career in education. And if you're literally not fueling yourself, you yourself physically are not sustainable. You're running on literal empty. Like there's, cause there's all of these euphemisms and there's all these sayings about like, fill your cup first and put your mask on first. Like you literally have to fuel your body first or you can't show up as your best self. Yeah. Look, I mean, here's the reality. And, and I've, I've heard all of the 
I've seen hundreds and hundreds of comments, you know, on viral videos or whatever it is where mm -hmm. teachers saying, I can't, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't. And, and the reality is you can. Yes. You the reality can. is you can, you have things under your control. Um, you can go to a Costco today and you can get a big old box of prepackaged boiled eggs, right? They mm -hmm. come two per thing and they're perforated for you already. You don't even you just, yes. take those, have those, store them in your fridge, your staff, like whatever. Mm -hmm. Just that alone can be a game changer mm -hmm. for your day-to-day -day existence. And I think part of the problem I have with our education system is that we see learning as a destination, right? We have nine-week grade checks. We have semester report cards. We have tiered um, structure, 12 different grades. You pass, you fail, you graduate, check, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not how we learn as human beings. Right. That's not how you are going to improve your health. It's going to be about what small step can I add that doesn't feel overwhelming? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Sustain, 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 sustain. Mm -hmm. On top of that, I'm going to layer the next thing. Yes. That I can also sustain. On top of that, the next layer. And all of a sudden, you're going to turn around. And you've built four or five compounding habits that are de-stressors and that allow you to cope and allow you to be stronger. Right? We haven't even talked about exercise, but that's a whole yeah. other that's a whole other category of things that you can do. Ten minutes a day. 20 minute walks you can do that are going to reap incredible benefits to your longevity and to your, to your mental stability. Yeah. I was just going to ask you like what, what simple, you know, exercises um, and suggestions would you give to a really busy teacher? Because my, my season right now as a teacher is not what it was 10 years ago. Both of my girls are, I mean, our oldest is in college. Our youngest is 14. Um, so I don't live the same life outside of school that some teachers do who have young kids. You know, you're you're kind of in that season where you have younger kids, a baby on the way. On in addition to teaching, you know, I've heard so many teachers say, I don't have time. Like, when am I supposed to be active? You know, so can you give us an insight quickly? Tell us some some little tidbits that would help a teacher that wants to be active, but is also maybe telling themselves that, well, I have to do a hard workout for an hour every day. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise it's worthless. Park further away from your classroom. Mm -hmm. Park on the opposite side. Mm -hmm. Right. And then build that into your routine. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it's, I don't have time to exercise. And then everybody's fighting for the closest parking space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you just cost yourself 500 steps, possibly, mm -hmm. depending on the size of your campus, Yeah. right? Can you stand more during the day, right? Wear ergonomic shoes, get, you know, those standing desk, you know, foam mm -hmm. cushions or whatever, mm -hmm. and try to stand more. Mm -hmm. right? There's there's really simple things. Take the stairs. Take the stairs. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, we don't have any I mean, stairs. Obviously, school, we're but... talking here, you know, obviously you're, different people have different physical limitations and constraints right. and all of that. And I totally, you know, uh, have complete compassion around that. Mm -hmm. But do what you can do when you can do it. Mm -hmm. Don't take shortcuts when you could, you're perfectly capable of doing something that's going to take a minute, two minutes longer. Yeah. We have this idea that it's this all or nothing. 
And if I can't do, and this is just this literally BS that's pushed by this kind of fitness mm-hmm. machine, right? Yes, absolutely. That has to be this high intensity thing. It has to be this thing that you, if you're not sweating, you didn't do it. Right. If you're not, you know, totally gassed afterwards. And in fact, I preach, you look on my Instagram, I preach over and over again that high intensity workouts are not good for 98% of the people out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do not need to be doing them. If you yeah, love especially, them, especially women. Yeah. If, if you love yeah. them and it's something you just, you've, you've grown, you've just adapted to it and you just truly love it. Great. Yeah. I'm not going to judge anybody for the way that they choose to move their body, but it is not the end all be all. And for many people, it's actually going to lead to a lot more burnout. Mm-hmm. It's going to lead to a lot more injuries. It's going to lead to a lot more opportunity for them to say, Oh, that just seems to, I just can't. Yeah. Yeah. Right? What's simple. What's manageable for you? Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, do what you can do when you can do it. Mm-hmm. I love how you also brought up compounding habits, because again, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be. And I think that's, you know, and I planned this interview strategically to be at the end of the school year because I hate New Year's resolutions for this very reason. You go in, you go hard, and then you've set the bar too high for yourself, which I know I have been guilty of in the past. And, you know, we are, we are overachievers. And so we set this bar super high and then we can't even meet our own expectations Mm -hmm. and we feel like failures. Yeah. Here's, here's what I say about that. Your brain doesn't know the difference between a huge win and a small win. Mm. You can delay that gratification for a long time. You can say, I want to lose 10 pounds, right? Mm -hmm. Until you lose that 10 pounds, you're not going to be happy. Yeah. What if you say, I want to lose two pounds. I want to lose two pounds. When you lose that two pounds, which is going to come quicker than 10 pounds, you can celebrate. Yes. You're, you're speaking to me right now, by the way. <laughs> you're going to get that sense of elation, that sense of accomplishment, that sense of I did something meaningful, something I set out for myself to do that I said I was going to do, and then mm-hmm. I did it. Yeah. The more of that you can build into your life, the better. That's why I say small wins. Find the small, th- simple things that you can do every day and then celebrate when those things happen. Okay. Say what you can do and then do it. Yes. I love it. I love it. Say what you can do and then do it. If you do that, you're going to create a winning mindset around what your health looks like. Yeah. You're going to find that it's more enjoyable. You like it more Mm -hmm. because you've learned how to celebrate. And that celebration is incredibly powerful. You can talk about the hormonal impact that has the de-stress impact that has, right? Reducing cortisol levels. Every single day when I go into the gym, I go in with a dedicated target. If if I only do this, if I get this, that's a good workout. Mm -hmm. And the entire workout could not be that great, but I did that one thing or I found that one thing and then it's a success. And I walk away going, that was worthwhile. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. It's about being intentional is really what you're talking about. Being intentional and not trying to... um, What's my word? Just just not trying to overextend yourself even in that because we overextend ourselves in our jobs already and we <laughs> could easily overextend ourselves in our fitness as well, you know, when it comes to exercise, uh, which like you said, can lead to injury and burnout for, for so many reasons. Um, the last thing I'd like you to quickly chat about is sleep. Um, yeah. Sleep deprivation. Like I've done some research myself on sleep, certainly not as extensively as you probably have mm-hmm. or other experts, but 
I am just shocked at how much our sleep affects our mental health and how getting more sleep can really cure us of so many hardships that we're having and how we're, our perspective on things. Can you share a little bit about that really quickly? Yeah. There's, there's an interesting thing that um, I don't know if you're familiar with Matt Walker. He's got a great Ted talk on sleep. He's like the sleep guru um, or Andrew Huberman with Huberman labs. Talk oh yes. I love his sleep. podcast. Yeah. yeah. He, him and Matt Walker are like best, best buddies. So mm-hmm. um, check his stuff out for sure. If you're interested okay. in sleep and sleep studies, but he, he shared an interesting fact that I can't remember the percentages, so you'd have to look at it, but um, something like uh, a 200% increase in the average number of heart attacks um, after daylight savings, the day after daylight savings, because everybody lost an hour of sleep. Mm-hmm. And he was just saying like, there's a lot more heart attacks that happen on that day than any other day of the year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, it wasn't that one hour, but it just, ex- you know, it just it, it cumulative effect. And then that extra hour, like this, data is there, Mm -hmm. right? We can go into a lot of data about that, but the key idea and the key takeaway is this, um, every hour that you can get more than what you're getting right now, um, you know, above six hours a night, um, has just incredible health implications, um, for your long-term memory, for your, uh, cell generation, um, here's the reality. We, we are made up of lean tissue, muscle and adipose tissue, tissue, fat. Mm-hmm. And the majority of us have too much adipose tissue, mm-hmm. right? Now right. there's a lot of lean people out there that don't, but if we slow down generating lean tissue, which happens primarily when we're sleeping, the only other option is for the percentage of our body that is fat tissue to go up. Mm -hmm. Even if we don't gain new fat, right? The fat percentage goes up. So I don't care too much about BMI. I focus a lot more on body fat percentage. If your body fat percentage is steadily increasing, whether it's because you're losing lean tissue or because you're gaining new fat, we've got problems. Yeah. So if you're not sleeping enough, you're not creating enough new cells to replace the tissue that you already have. You're definitely not creating new tissue that's you know building on and making you stronger and making you more resistant to injury. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about that, we can talk about immunity. We can yeah, talk about, that's a huge one. We can talk about, um, I, I mentioned memory. There's just mood, hormones. Again, yeah. come back to the same things. If we could just make some simple things, changes to our sleep patterns, to our nutrition, to our exercise, we will feel like new, new human beings. Yeah. And which it's like you, like you mentioned, which is compounding because when you feel better, then you're ready to take the next step and then you feel even better. And then you're ready to take the next step. So like when it comes to sleep, like I I can imagine, I have actually done this myself is going to bed just 10 minutes earlier and then 10 minutes earlier and then 10 minutes earlier and vice versa. If like, for example, I get up to work out in the morning because I, I, after I teach all day, I run a business a yeah. couple hours after that. Like, and then I want to spend time with my family and sit down and eat a good meal with them. So I prioritize exercise in the morning over sleep. So I know like when I first started falling into this routine 15 years ago, I would just get up 15 minutes earlier 
get up 15 minutes earlier, which meant then I needed to adjust the time that I went to bed, Mm -hmm. which is, I I need more sleep now than I feel like I did (laughs) a couple of years ago um, or, you know, 10 plus years ago. Cause like I said, I'm 40. So I know Mm -hmm. that my body is different and I need more sleep. So it's, it's, it's all an adjustment. I feel like this is like the definition of balance, right? Like is really thinking about what can I give today and what will I be able to give tomorrow? And how is this, again, how is this going to, you know, how are these things going to build on each other to make absolutely feel better? Yeah. And just to give one practical tip on that, have a bedtime ritual, just have, yeah. have a routine. Your brain craves routine and it will find, it will find routine in the absence of routine. Mm. And oftentimes the absence of routine is us looking at our phones or engaging in, 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 in a lot of media and a lot of stimulation. Right. And that's going to be detrimental to that sleep. So have, have a dedicated bedtime ritual. Um, and so that way your brain has a sense of like, okay, this, oh, we're, this is the pattern. This follows this, right? Yes. This follows that. And as you develop that, those pathways get deeper. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. get more ingrained. So we've got to unwire some that are ingrained. And we've got to rewire some new pathways. And it could just be as simple as a five-minute bedtime routine, right? Yeah. What's yeah. that five minutes look like? And then you get into bed only after you did all those steps. You've got, I don't know how many, I'm sure you experienced this, how many times you lay down at night and you think about all the things that you didn't get done. Mm. Right? And we've got to start to counteract that by having a really good ritual that makes us feel like our brains need to feel like, Oh, I got this done, this and this and this and this one. Yes. And then, then we can have calm. So yeah. if it's just five simple things, a little checklist, write it on your bathroom mirror, post-it note, whatever, and just do those five things and then go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to admit, I have to admit, um, I, I, that used to be my reality. I used to lay down and then my mind would just race and race and race. Uh, the Sunday scaries, you know, Sunday night before school, like that used to be my reality and it's not anymore. And I really do feel like it is because of these compounding effects of prioritizing my physical health and how it has really affected my mental health um, in the long run. And one reason I really wanted to have you on here, Brian, is because I really do want people to think about the long-term effects of them caring for, of teachers caring for themselves rather than feeling like, okay, it's a new year. So I need to lose 15 pounds, which is just it's just, it becomes so disappointing because, you know, even if you do lose the 15 pounds, if you're not building those strategic compounding habits over a a long, over the long term, I mean, this is like, this is a, this is the definition of like, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But even good marathon runners know they don't think about it in terms of what is it? 26 miles. Right. Yes. 24 miles. I don't remember. They don't think of it in terms of that distance. They're not like, oh, for this race, I'm going to, they, they have strategies, Mm -hmm. different parts of the race. Yes. Yeah. That they rely on Mm -hmm. that they fall back to. And that takes us again, back to those defaults. So it's going to be built. You have this end goal in mind, but that has to be broken down, right? To Mm -hmm. what skills do I need? What can I practice? What are the daily actions, right? Mm -hmm. So actions are going to build practice, practice builds skill, skill leads to results. And too often we think about a goal and then we think about one thing that we can do to get to that goal. Yeah. But again, that's not how we actually learn and that's not how we actually build skills. It's going to branch out. It's going to be Christmas tree. Right. Right. 
You're going to have the goal and there's going to be a multitude of things that are building into that. And it's going to start with those daily small actions that I can do consistently that allow me to have more practice at this thing that are going to allow me to have more skill at doing it. My kids just got home. So <laughs> and then you're going to have a much more attainable you know, a much more practical way of actually getting to that goal. Yes. Oh, Brian, thank you so much for sharing all this information. Like just listening to you lay all of these things out, like it is something that's manageable. Like yeah. your health is worth the, the investment just in, and, and I'm talking about time here, like, I, or, you know, investing in someone like you that can help to like hash out what this would actually look like as a teacher, because it really is teaching life is so different than, than yeah. other work lives. Yeah. So I heard, I heard something today that I just would like to leave your listeners with. And it's, you know, you can pull up where you need to go on your Google maps, mm -hmm. but if you never press the gas on your car, you're going to sit in your garage. Mm -hmm. You're going to sit on your driveway. Yeah. If you just push the gas and never check the map, you're going to go a lot of places, but you're never going to end up where you want to go. Yeah. It's going to take both. Yeah. So if you have that drive, but you don't know the route, that's where some extra support is really going to benefit you. Mm -hmm. Right. If you know the direction, but you don't have the drive, we've got to figure out what's the underlying issue in terms of, uh, do you have gas in the tank? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Do you have do, do you have your keys? Like, there's going to be things that are there. You're missing some things because otherwise that car would drive. Mm. So on both ends, if there's a piece missing, that's where it helps to have a support system. That's where it helps to have community. That's where it helps, you know, and some, for some people to have professional help. Mm -hmm. um, that's where it helps to, you know, be open. Going back to what made me a successful teacher was I, when I didn't know something and I was struggling, I said, I need help with this. Yeah. Right? And I mean, that's, that's, that learning mentality that we have to have. And sometimes it's embarrassing or sometimes it's humiliating or it feels that way when it comes to us because I should know myself. Yeah. Sometimes you're the worst person to make decisions for yourself. It's so right? true. It's so true. The self-sabotaging is just so, so high yeah. in that area. Absolutely. Well, Brian, I know that the teachers that are listening to this are going to want to learn more about you and get to know you a little bit better. So can you tell them different places that they can find you? Yeah. So my website is TGT Fitness. So this guy teaches. Uh, that was, my, that was mm -hmm. what I came up with for my handle for uh, a while ago. But this guy teaches at so TGTFitness.com. Um, and then that this underscore guy underscore teaches is me on TikTok and Instagram. So awesome. Well, definitely teachers, if you're listening to this and this is making you think about the long-term effects of taking care of your body, taking care of your brain, taking care of yourself and really truly putting yourself first. I mean, this is the definition of what it looks like. Like we can say all day, again, fill your cup, you know, put your mask on first, but that can mean yeah. so many different varying things. And I can tell you from experience that putting your health first should be number one, because if you can't show up for yourself, you're not going to be able to show up as your best self for your students, your family, and all of the other things that you want to do with your time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us today on the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm so grateful for your time. I know we went a little bit over it, but I just loved hearing your story, uh, your education story, in addition to helping us to move into 2023 
with you know an outlook that isn't you know fast and furious but long and sustainable i really appreciate yeah, it absolutely thank you so much it was just great to get to meet you and uh, you have very insightful questions and and i think you have uh, a great approach to health and teacher well-being and uh, i appreciate what you're doing Thank you so much, Brian. All right, everybody, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned-in teacher. Burn on. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head over to burnedinteacher.com where you can access the entire vault of burned-in teacher podcast episodes and more information about ways I want to help you go from burned-out teacher to burned-in human. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you would head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating about the Burned In Teacher Podcast. Until next time, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a Burned In Teacher. Burn on.